Just before we hear our reading, Nick is just going to introduce it for us, and then the living God will speak to us in his mercy. Great, thanks, Ben. Uh, yep, my name's Nick. I'm uh, one of the ministers here at Christ Church Mayfair. I just want to introduce the reading quickly first um, before we have it, because what we're going to see, um, this passage links into some things that we've seen over the last few weeks uh, in chapter 18. Uh, and I just want to remind you um, about some of those things. Uh, the, the, big, the big question in this section of Luke's gospel, how do I get into God's kingdom? And in chapter 18, Jesus has, re- has given us four, recommended four key behaviors. They should be coming up on the screen. So verses 1 to 8, uh, there was the parable of the persistent widow and the big thing he recommended there was cry out persistently to the Lord. Okay then we had the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector and the big lesson there was ask for mercy Um, and then uh, we we had that instant with the children coming to Jesus and the lesson there was receive the kingdom like a a little child Um, and then uh, we had that incident with the rich ruler who went away sad who could not let go of his wealth and the big lesson there was beware of earthly riches keeping you from accepting the kingdom okay now if you can try and just keep those in your mind as we have this reading um, and just see uh, if if uh, you spot anything interesting in the two characters that we meet in the reading we're about to have, okay? Today's reading is from the book of Luke, chapter 18, starting at verse 31 through chapter 19, verse 10. Jesus took the 12 aside and told them, we are going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be handed over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him and spit on him, They will flog him and kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. The disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them, and they did not know what he was talking about. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight, your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. Jesus entered into Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up to him. He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. 
Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. It's the word of the Lord. And now don't worry if you didn't spot any of those connections. Um, I promise we'll draw them out a bit later um, in the sermon, so don't panic. Let's pray as we begin. Once again, we come um, to your word and we need your help. We need your spirit to open our eyes to behold Jesus. I pray that this morning we would see in him the one who has the power that we desperately need and that we would relate to him rightly. Amen. Uh, Just look, if you will, at uh, chapter 19, verse 10 again. It's magnificent truth. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This, this, the question in this big section of Luke, how can I get into God's kingdom? Like the most important question any of us could ever ask. Here in this passage, we're going to see that Jesus is the one. He's the one who came to save, seek and save. Um, we get these two guys in this passage um, who are both brought into the kingdom, both saved. They're very, very different from each other. Did you notice that? One of them's very rich. One of them's very, very poor. Both saved both transformed. And we see in Jesus here the power to to save, to heal, to transform, the power that we each desperately need, the power to get us into God's kingdom. I think there's two things that that ways this is meant to affect us, hopefully, as we we read this morning. One is just that, that we see Jesus here and marvel at him. And if you've been a Christian for, for, for a while, I hope again this morning that, that, that as we look at him, we will be able to marvel again at his power and his love and just what he's like. But the second big thing here, I think in, in these two men, we are, we're shown a model of, if you like, how to access that power that Jesus has to save us. Um, how to respond to Jesus in such a way that his power is kind of released into our lives. Um, so we'll be comparing ourselves with their example as we go through as well. Three points we're going to have. Uh, Jesus suffers, Jesus saves, so cry out to him, and Jesus transforms, so welcome him gladly. First thing we're going to see then, Jesus, Jesus suffers. Have a look down at verse 31 with me. Jesus took the twelve aside and told them, we are going up to Jerusalem and everything that's written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be handed over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him and spit on him. They will flog him and kill him and on the third day he will rise again. The disciples didn't understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them and they did not know what he was talking about. Just for a second, imagine just how like confusing, how surprising that would be for the disciples to hear those words. Imagine that for a second. This, um, you've been traveling with Jesus for quite a long time now. You've seen him do phenomenal things. You've, you've heard him claim about himself um, phenomenal things, like that he's going to be the judge of all mankind, that he's the king of God's kingdom. You've seen him gather a pretty serious following at this point. Every time he goes to a town, people just flock around him. This is your leader. And he, he's, he's resolutely been leading them towards Jerusalem. And here he takes them aside and looks them in the eye and says, when we get to Jerusalem... I am going to be mocked, insulted, spat on, flogged, and killed. Jesus has mentioned that he's going to suffer before this, but he's never gone into this level of detail. I mean, just at a human level, if you're looking at your leader and he's 
he's, he's, he's so single-mindedly driving you towards going to Jerusalem, and he knows this is what's going to happen. Just at a human level, you've got to be thinking, wow, that's courageous. Wow, that's, that's single-minded. That's, that's brave to be knowingly heading towards that. Remarkable. But of course, at a spiritual level, there's much more going on here. Jesus says everything written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. Jesus is placing that suffering in light of this bigger story, in light of God's plan written in the prophets that the Savior would suffer, that would take on himself the guilt and the shame of sin and would suffer in order to save others. In fact, the next time he refers to himself as the Son of Man here, the next time he uses that phrase... Chapter 19, verse 10, have a look at it again. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. If you like, if if 19, verse 10 is what Jesus' death achieves, saving the lost, these verses here are what it cost him to do so, to head knowingly towards that suffering. Now, that's a familiar truth, right, for many of us. But just take a second to marvel at it again. Just have a look down again at verse 32 and verse 33. In order to seek and save you and I, Jesus willingly headed towards that. I mean, in in his courage there, do do you see his love for you in that? Do you see his care for you? At this stage, the disciples don't quite get it, but do you? Do you see his love for you, his care for you in that? And in the rest of the passage, we're going to see the impact of that saving love on on two men's lives. And the first one's the the, the blind beggar in verses 35 to 42. Here we're going to see uh, the next point. Jesus saves and so cry out to him. Have a look down at verse uh, 35 with me. As Jesus approached uh, Jericho, a blind man was sitting on the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening, and they told him, Jesus of Nazareth uh, is passing by. I just take a moment to think of what life would have been like uh, for this poor man. Picture him sitting there on the roadside, the dusty roadside outside Jericho. I mean, he's, he's destitute. He's begging, which means he doesn't have family who are able to care for him. He doesn't have friends that are willing to help him out. There's no welfare system. Of course, you speak to people that, that, that beg and they'll tell you that uh, alongside just the sheer physical discomfort, one of the worst things is the sense of rejection. People constantly walking by, the feeling of being completely unwanted. It's this man's life, day after day. And on top of all that, he's blind. So he has no hope of turning this around, no hope of employment. And you pitch in there day by day, sitting by this roadside, that's his life. Have a look down at verse uh, 37 with me. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those uh, who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, did you notice there the difference between what the crowd called Jesus and what this guy calls Jesus? Do you see that? 
the crowd see, see Jesus as the man from Nazareth. When this man um, hears of Jesus, he, he, he thinks of him as the son of David. Now, he, this, that's interesting. This is the only time in the whole of Luke's gospel that anyone calls Jesus the son of David. What on earth does that phrase mean? Well, it means the, the, the promised king. It means the promised savior from the Old Testament, the anointed one, the Messiah. Somehow, this man sees in Jesus the king of God's kingdom, the one who has all of the resources of God's kingdom at his disposal. And so he cries out to him, can you hear the desperation in his voice? There is, he's crying out, have mercy on me. People tell him to shut up. But he keeps crying out all the more. And that's a heck of a thing to do if you're a beggar. If you're a beggar, you rely on people's uh, good favor. So to ignore what they're saying, just keep crying out. It shows you how desperate he was. It shows you how much he wanted and needed this mercy from Jesus. And look down at verse 40 and uh, 41 with me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Isn't that remarkable? Everyone else thinks that Jesus doesn't have time for this guy, but not only does Jesus stop and want to talk to this man, he asks this man what he can do for him. Just picture that for a second, right? The, the, the king of God's kingdom, the son of David, the son of man, asking this beggar how he can serve him. That is a picture of what our God is like. Isn't it beautiful? This man asks uh, to see, he has faith that Jesus is, has that ability um, to heal him. And verse 42, Jesus said to him, receive your sight, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also Praise God. Just picture the look in this man's face as his eyes blinkingly open and he sees Jesus in front of him and he sees a whole new life opening up before him, a whole new eternity as a member of God's kingdom opening up before him. Imagine the, the, the smile breaking over his face. Imagine the sound of the praises that burst out of his mouth. And Jesus there, the one who had the power to heal, the one who had the power to make that change. Now, interestingly, the word that he uses there in uh, verse um, 42, your faith has healed you. That word heal, it's the same word um, as in uh, chapter 19, verse 9, salvation. Now, in, in the Bible, many of us will know this, but, but throughout the Bible, blindness is often used as a, a metaphor for our kind of natural state before God, our spiritual state, that we are blind to God um, in and of ourselves, um, help, helpless, hopeless, um, spiritually speaking. And in the Bible, to have your eyes opened is a, is a picture of being saved at the deepest level. It's a picture of salvation. Now, in this case, it had obviously had literal physical manifestations that aren't promised to, to every believer. Um, 
But here it is, it is a picture of the salvation that Jesus offers to each one of us. Jesus is the one that is able to reach in and heal us at the deepest level and save us at the deepest level of our being. And so what does that mean for us then? What do we do with that? How, how, how do you respond to someone who has that power? Well, remember the, the, the slide I put up. Can we have the slide up now? The, the, the behaviors that Jesus has already mentioned. Okay, so the first two, cry out persistently and ask for mercy. Okay, now look at verse 38 and verse 39. What are the two things this man does? He cries out persistently and he asks for mercy. Do you see that? He's being held up to us here as a model of how to respond to Jesus, how to receive Jesus. So it's worth asking ourselves, I mean, it's not very British, is it? <laughs> but if you look at how he relates to Jesus, it's worth asking, do I relate to Jesus like that? I mean, if you're just investigating the Christian faith, is that something that you've ever done? Have you ever cried out to Jesus for mercy? Well, for those of us that, that, that would call ourselves Christians, I suppose, do we continue to relate to Jesus like that? And when I find sin in myself that hurts me, that hurts people around me, do I cry out to Jesus for mercy? Do I see in him the one who has the power to heal me at the deepest level of my being? the one who has that power to change and transform. Because this, this attitude, it's not an attitude that we're meant to grow out of as believers. Do you and I relate to Jesus like this? Jesus saves, so cry out to him. Next, we're going to look at uh, Zacchaeus in, in 19 verses 1 to 10. Here we're going to see Jesus transforms. So welcome him gladly. Have a look down at uh, chapter 19 with me. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the, uh, the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Kind of three things when we're told really about Zacchaeus here. Um, he's short, he's wealthy, and because he's a tax collector, he's hated. Now, those three things, they do form a bit of a picture for us, don't they? So he's wealthy. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago, we saw that, that wealthy ruler who, it turned out, was trapped by his money. I think here at the beginning of this story, we're meant to see in these three things. We're meant to see that Zacchaeus is also trapped by his money. He's wealthy, but he's a tax collector. And that is a job that means he's hated. Outside the Bible, we have accounts of people literally walking up to tax collectors and spitting in their face as they walk down the street. Now, we don't know this, but as a short man, maybe, maybe he had a particular urge to prove himself, a particular urge to gain recognition. And you can see how that might spiral, can't you? I've got a particular urge to prove myself, and I, 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 so I want to make lots of money. Then the way that I'm making money actually damages my relationships with other people, and I'm rejected, which feels awful. So what do I do? Well, I keep focusing on making money to get that validation that I really want. 
And I wonder how many people working in the city are trapped in a similar spiral. Whatever, he is verse 7. We know from people's response to him in verse 7. He is despised, publicly despised. He, whatever else his money has given him, Zacchaeus has learned the hard way that money cannot buy you acceptance. And so verse 4, he runs and climbs this tree. And maybe he's just curious about Jesus here. But often, curiosity about Jesus um, is just a cover for deeper longings in our hearts. And that may be true of people here today, people tuning in. You're curious about Jesus, but really beneath that, that's masking deeper longings in your heart. So imagine, imagine being... Uh, up in the tree with Zacchaeus in verse 5. His heart must be racing because he's just clambered up the tree. Um, And he looks down the road and he sees Jesus walking down this uh, dusty street in the middle of this crowd. And as Jesus walks along the street, he reaches the foot of this tree and stops and then turns and looks straight up at Zacchaeus' eyes. His heart must have stopped in that moment. He's looking at me. Then Jesus calls him by name. I don't know what that would feel like. Of all these people here in this crowd, Jesus knows him. Jesus wants him. And uh, verse 6, he came down at once and welcomed Jesus gladly. Remember the the rich young man a couple of weeks ago? He went away sad. Zacchaeus comes down and welcomes Jesus gladly. We'll come back to that later. Um, verse 7, everyone's, everyone's muttering about this. And you can see why if Jesus is kind of favoring this man. Is Jesus just enabling someone who's clearly a, a liar and a cheat? Well, no. Um, we know that D- Jesus does welcome him just as he is, but he's also about to utterly transform him. And look at this transformation in verse 8. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. He's given half of his stuff away and paying back four times the amount. Now, Leviticus, the Old Testament, it only requires that you repay the full amount if you've cheated someone and plus one-fifth. And he's paying back four times uh, the amount. That's pretty much everything. That's got to be pretty much all the money that he has. This is a man who was was utterly driven by making money to the point he was willing to be hated. Now just giving it away, flinging it away. Massive transformation. How has that happened? What is it that he's he's gained from welcoming Jesus that that enables this transformation? Well, we see that in verse 9 and 10. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That phrase, son of Abraham, that denotes belonging. That denotes acceptance as a child of God. In receiving Jesus, this guy has discovered his long-lost identity as a child of Abraham. As, 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 uh, th- that he is loved by God with an eternal love. 
I think he discovers in that acceptance what he'd been seeking in wealth. See, one of the great truths about becoming a Christian is that, that you discover, um, and this is one of my favorite quotes from an American preacher called Tim Keller. You discover this wonderful truth that all the beauty you've ever sought and all of the significance you've ever longed for are already yours in Christ Jesus. All the significance you've ever longed for are already yours in Christ Jesus. That seems to be what Zacchaeus discovers here, because in a moment, this compulsive drive to make money is gone. And he's able suddenly to, to adopt a Christian attitude to money, to give it away, to give it away. Just like his savior, right? Jesus, we just heard, is the one who's going to suffer to help others. Well, just like this new savior that he's received, he's now willing to use his money to give it away in this life to bless other people. Just like the, the, the rich young ruler a couple of weeks was, ago was not able to do. Again, do you see the power of Jesus here to reach into this man's life and utterly transform him? and free him from what he was a slave to. Jesus transforms. Well, so, so what? What does that mean for us? Well, again, like the blind beggar, Zacchaeus, I think he's a model for us. Um, can we have the, the next the slide back up? So remember these, these last two um, behaviors, to receive the kingdom of God like a little child, and then beware of earthly riches keeping you from God's kingdom. Well, interestingly, the word for, uh, in, in, in uh, chapter 18, verse 17, the word for receive the kingdom like a little child, that word receive, is exactly the same word as uh, chapter 19, verse 6 in the Greek, welcomed him gladly. So do you see, Zacchaeus here is doing those, those two things. He's welcoming Jesus. He's welcoming him and the transformation that he brings in a way that the rich young ruler wasn't able to do. So again, I just want to ask, as you look at Zacchaeus here, welcoming Jesus gladly, welcoming that transformation... Do you and I relate to Jesus like that? Gladly welcoming him, gladly welcoming that transformation that he brings. Because again, Zacchaeus' attitude here, again, it's not an attitude that we're meant to grow out of after we're converted. Obviously, when, when people are converted, there are often big, dramatic lifestyle changes that are easy to see. And as, as time goes on as a Christian, it, the, the changes might seem less obvious, but the danger is that we get harder in our hearts to Jesus, that we start to hold him at arm's length, that there start to be areas of our lives that we try and keep him out of. But the Bible's clear that the way we receive Jesus is the way that we're meant to continue relating to him, that he does want to renovate our characters more and more and more and more until we reach heaven. He does want to beautify us more and more until his return. So Zacchaeus' attitude here of welcoming him, welcoming that transformation, again, that's not one that we're meant to grow out of. Do, do, do you personally, do you welcome that? Do you welcome Jesus in that way? Again, it's easier. It's easier if we know, like Zacchaeus, that all of the beauty I've ever sought and all the significance I've ever longed for are already mine in Christ Jesus. If I know that, if I know that he suffered in order to save me like that, it becomes easier to welcome him and to continue welcoming him year after year and the transformation he brings.
So as we close then, just look back over this passage. Just cast your eyes over it, these different encounters. Do you see how amazing Jesus is here? How loving, how powerful. Do you, do you see in him the one who suffers, the one who saves, the one who transforms? And, 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 and like me, do you need to be a bit more like these two men in your attitude, your response to Jesus this week? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we praise you that, that, that you suffer for us. We praise you that you really do have the power to save, that you really do have the power to transform and, uh, and get us into that eternal kingdom. I pray, Lord, for us that this week we would relate to you like these men, that we would cry out to you and that we would continue to embrace you and the changes that you want to make in our lives. We ask it in your name and for your glory. Amen.